Do you want to know how looking up Christmas games on YouTube helped create space for tribal elders on my res? Welcome with new relatives. Thank you for coming back to the podcast. I appreciate being in community with you. And in this episode, I thought I'd share how Bingo, the Grinch, and the Gingerbread Games brought elders together on my res. I'm happy you're here, so turn up the volume and let's get into it. I'm Ashley, and this is Res Kid Turn Professional, a podcast dedicated to current, future, and new tribal nation builders in Native American business and government. Here we will speak on all things tribal nation building. We're talking management, Indian policy, mindset, and growing wealth. Like, share, comment. You know the vibes. Loving this conversation? Then please consider posting a review wherever you are listening to help get our voice to other parts of Indian country more quickly. So welcome, and thank you for coming along on this journey where we help nation builders nation build. Hey, 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 Tribal Nation Builders. In this episode, I wanted to talk a little bit about growing an elder population in your community. Um, I think it's so important to have elders, to have young people grow up in a community of elders, and I know that it can be difficult to um, get it there. So I wanted to start out and share how we invested um, to make sure that we had elders in our community. So I started out my career in funding development and one of the first projects I did was a health analysis to help us correct our funding path for um, the special diabetes program for Indians. If you've worked in tribal government or healthcare on Indian reservations, you know that this the SDPI program is one of the largest kind of grant funding programs through clinics on reservations to kind of help combat all of the issues that we see rising from diabetes on reservations, which is a real thing. I mean, people are losing limbs. It's dangerous. So um, it's a great program. It needs to be funded completely. Um, but that's a whole other episode for folks who are interested in um the work that people do at a national level to make sure that those resources are available um, across Indian country. But for us, um, and for me, um, I really focus on, okay, once we have resources, at least at that point in my career, how do we make sure that we're utilizing and implementing them in a way that helps bring the largest impact? And so we were seeing a high morbidity rate in my community, and I worked with our clinic director at the time to gather data on chronic illness. And what I found was that the type of chronic illnesses that were impacting my community were actually linked to behavior, usually related to obesity and or substance abuse and usage, in addition to having a family history of chronic illness. So this led me to get curious about community behavior in general, specifically what we were eating. So in my little town, it's a rural town in the middle of the desert. There's not even a grocery store. I mean, we had a grocery store at one point, um, but it's just not, for whatever reason, completely achievable at this point in time for our little area. And so at the time, there was a large transportation issue. Um, a lot of the people on my reservation lack transportation. And so I knew it was difficult to go shopping because the shopping areas were a good 30 minutes away, 25 minutes on a good day. Um, 
and that led me to try to find where and how people were getting their food. So I'm like, okay, if you don't have a car and we don't have a grocery store, how are you getting food? Where are you getting the food from and what kind of food are you eating? And what we found was that if they weren't on our food distribution program, then they were likely receiving food support services from one of our tribal programs, which left me even more curious. (laughs) So hopefully you see how I go down these like rabbit holes. Um, And so then I know how to correct a food distribution program. You know, we, we negotiated what types of food that we wanted through that distribution program. And we found solutions so that we can create more healthy options for our community. And I found that that portion of the um, dilemma only amounted for a small percentage of the food that we were kind of giving out through these major supports on my reservation. The overwhelming distribution was in food supports from community programs. So I pulled the receipts, <laughs> yes I did, and did a basic audit of what we were buying and supplying to our people. And this could be like from, you know, our Boys and Girls Club or other youth programs where they could, you know, purchase something or, you know, buy a little snack or the program was giving snacks or they had um, an event and they offered food so people would come to the event um, or they had a guest speaker so they had food so that people would come to the event. Um And in that initial audit, in one month, I noticed that we had spent $7,000 in soda across our programs. And that's not like, okay, I have a rogue person out there buying $7,000 in soda. That's not how these things work. Um, But it, it was going across the board in our programs. And when we were able to pull up, you know, overall spend of what we were really investing in, I couldn't believe it. I'm like 7,000 in soda in one month. It's a lot of sugar. Um, and this process really helped me understand the power of exponential growth. Cause it was literally like, you know, a six pack here, 12 pack here, the event here. Um, and that wasn't even in one of our, you know, really busy seasons for community events. We had just started community events at that time. So I was like, we need to really get a handle on this. We can't be talking about wellness and um, the future of our community and at the same time feeding them things that could be detrimental to their health, like knowing that they are predisposed or actively you know, working through chronic illness. So we had to really make a decision. And when I thought about it, I'm like, it's crazy how the same little decision, in this case, having a soda, all at the same time actually leads to a huge impact. Um, And for us, that amounted to a $7,000 month in soda. And that's in retail soda. So we weren't even purchasing this at like a a large scale where we actually um, set out a plan to work with a distributor for this type of thing. You know, in government agencies are provided a budget and they're um, supposed to look for ways to impact the community by offering programs or supports or events. And so that's how these purchases were being acquired. 
And I share this because once I presented it to my elected leadership, we were able to make some adjustments, some more extreme, <laughs> cutting soda, right, cold turkey, and some more balance to ensure that we were sub substituting with healthier options. So instead of, you know, having... I don't know, a bucket full of soda, we told folks, hey, you can have water and you can buy um, packets so that you can have flavored water, like the little, um, you know, packets that you can put in your water for like cherry or what have you, um, the individual packets. And it also reminded me that sometimes <laughs> the big bad wolf is actually not a wolf. It's a good intention gone wrong. And I say that because sometimes we get caught in this spiral of, you know, saying, oh, well, this is, you know, this is how it is on, on the res and this is what's going on without even taking the time to identify our contribution or our actions in combating those things in a real way. And you know what happens when you cut a whole community off of caffeine? <laughs> You got it. You start a wave, um, a tsunami, and we live in a desert. We don't even have tsunamis, but a flash flood, I guess. Um, so in order to calm those waves, I put in a lot of our stakeholder building, presenting, sharing, communicating, getting people on board with why these decisions were being made, um, how these decisions were impacting us as a whole and how we can be a part of the overall solution. If you're interested in that process, let me know on Instagram and I'll share how to negotiate those types of spaces. But what we found was that by creating a path of shared understanding actually helped us create buy-in surrounding the value of quality of life improvements that we were trying to pursue. So we dared people to think of how it would feel to have more, to wake up and feel good, to not have to deal with it, to not have to check your sugar, to not have to worry that when you go to the doctor, like you're going to come out with all of your fingers and toes, that um, to, to be confident when you go to a doctor, to want to go to a doctor, not because you're going to receive bad news. Like we had to flip the switch. Like we had to change the dynamic. And you know what? our community responded. So while other tribes near us were lowering the age of participation in elder programming to 55 years, we were maintaining at 65 years. We were getting people to reach their 80s and their 90s. Now our elder 65 plus and up population is as large as our youth population and the generation directly under them, our seniors 55 to 64, is not that far behind. And I know that you might be thinking, okay, well, what does that mean? But when you think about um, how that can impact your community and the makeup of your community as a whole, as someone who's witnessed it, as someone who's witnessed um, people leaving us and walking on their journey earlier than they should have and now seeing people live into their 80s and 90s and seeing their grandchildren and great-grandchildren be able to have memories with them, it is so impactful. It's magical. It creates a sense of community like 
like no other thing I can describe or explain until you feel it. And often I invite people to come to our events so that they can feel it, especially our partners. When, when folks partner with us to do a project, if they're working with one of our entities or our programs, we have them volunteer at these events so they can see what we're doing it for. And while youth populations in Indian country have grown, which is amazing for tribes across the board, um, our adjustments, our lifestyle adjustments as a tribe and these micro decisions have allowed us to keep our people just a little bit longer. When you build this type of community, it requires being mindful of creating space. Here's one thing I learned from experience. It's all fine and dandy working to get what you want until suddenly you get it and you don't know what to do with it. That's why I'm so big now on visualizations and visioning because I had to learn real fast and in a hurry how to manage what to do and bring everyone else on board with it too in real time. So that means if you want to growing elder, elder population in your community, you have to think about what they might need to thrive because they're people. I always hear advocates and amplifiers out there telling others like Native Americans are not monoliths. Well, the same is true inside our communities. Every generation, every type of person, we all need something different. And when we start looking at the diversity we're already possessed within, we begin to see how we all fit together. This is not something that is foreign to our ancestors. I mean, come on, y'all. The circle, the medicine wheel. You know the vibes. Well, most tribal systems are founded on one centrality where individuals, families, clans, all had roles to keep the tribe strong. Because the society that has grown around us is so individualistic, as tribal nation builders, it's our responsibility not to fit those systems into our new dynamic, but to challenge ourselves to think about how our own foundations um, can adapt to our own new needs and how we can rebuild them in a way that suits what our community actually um, should be in the future. And we have to be mindful of how we create space and, and then we have to be committed to doing it. Otherwise, why rebuild, right? Now, creating space and this mindfulness is not just for the elders, it's for all aspects of what you're trying to achieve for your nation. So in all of our community events, we try to touch a multitude of needs, something for families, something for adults, something for kids, something for our elders. And since we've been doing this so much, we've raised this as a community expectation. I didn't realize this was possible until I began seeing it in person when I saw the community that didn't know it wanted the standard now expect and hold others accountable to it. It's kind of crazy. It's wild to see that type of change and to see it happen so quickly. And that's how we got to the Gingerbread Games, a space dedicated to our 65 plus elders at our tribal community Christmas party. So how did we end up at the Gingerbread Games? Well... Our tribal community Christmas party has transformed 
uh, throughout the years and it's transformed in such a huge way from a small Christmas tree lighting in our California Village Park with hot cocoa in our tribal council chambers to then a community dinner to a community dinner with small raffle <laughs> and I remember the first small raffle it was legit like before we prepped for the dinner um, my mom actually helped me um, take kind of a small amount to Burlington Coat Factory. I don't even know if Burlington Coat Factory is still in existence, but um, we went there and we got like prizes that people could enter a raffle for, just something fun. Um, and that was the first kind of raffle that we've had. And then it went to a community dinner with raffles for every age group. Um, and it grew into this community dinner with every age group raffles to build a bear workshops, ornament painting workshops, cookie decorating workshops, letters to Santa, pictures with Santa, free food trucks, and a whole multi-parking lot carnival for tribal families. Um, because growth happens slowly and then all at once for sure. This year, the party was going to last all day. Most of the activities were outside and youth-centered. The dinner and the raffles would not happen until the evening, and so we had to rethink about how we would engage our elder population. And we're very strict with the line for our elders in our community. Um, it's really one of the only demarcations that is not blurred, um, mostly because we've committed to getting folks over that finish line of um, hitting 65 and up. So you remember all those studies I talked about at the beginning of this episode? Well, there were other statistics too, like mortality. And when you look at those figures in a table, um, you're able to see our drop-off points. So the fact that we have more and more folks making it to 65 and beyond is not just a measure of longe longevity. It's a measurement of the quality of life improvements, the access to care, the continued support that we've invested to make sure our community grows with our elders. Um, Creator will have a way of blessing your path. Now it's not uncommon for children to grow up knowing their grandparents on both sides on my res. As someone who has had that gift to know their grandmother and to have memories with her, I'm glad that other children in my community are now able to have similar journeys because that wasn't always a reality for my people. Not a recent reality anyway. When I walked the space we set aside for elders, the walls were brown, so automatically my mind screamed gingerbread. I didn't know how we were going to do it, but I pulled a small team together and we got to work. I went to the craft store, all of the dollar stores, looking for decorations for this large space, while my team placed an order for food and snacks and then went looking for prizes. Elders on my res love bingo. I'm sure that's true for most elders everywhere in Indian country, but they love it so much here that our casino um, does a really cool thing and holds a monthly bingo specifically for them um, where they give them lunch and they're able to kind of have um, activities together and um, share birthdays and sing happy birthday to one another. It's really cool. I'm really proud of my casino um, staff for doing that for, for our elders. Um, and we do it so they can have fun together, so that they can have something to look forward to. Um, 
And because they do that, I called them up and they gave us the bingo sheets we needed and the daubers. Then I looked on YouTube to research Christmas party games. I had to find party games that were easy to manage, challenging to complete, and a whole lot of fun to fill the space between the bingo games that we were planning on doing. And I'm fortunate to work with a group of leaders that uh, is willing to invest into their people because I know that a lot of the things that we're able to do is because we've created buy-in at the leadership um, point where there's a sense of trust that if they allow for these investments that not only is it going to be good for the community, but it's going to create a stabilization in our community that allows us to do the bigger things that we need to do. So really grateful that um, there's that trust there and it was difficult to build. So again, if you want to learn more about that, hit me up on Instagram and um, I will start creating um, some content around how to create that trust with your um, leadership so that you can build these types of programs within your community. But with their investment, we were able to set up a space just for our elders. I ended up not finding much decoration so close to Christmas. I don't know what it is. I don't know if everyone was just on kind of this Christmas thing this year, but there were limited decorations. It was like super far and few between. So my team and I used some bulletin board um uh, paper um, trim to create gingerbread windows. We made a door out of craft paper and we hung Dollar Tree ornaments um, using ribbon from the ceiling to create a huge chandelier. And trust and believe, I wasn't sure how we were going to pull it off, but when we did and we turned on all of the lights, it looked so magical. One elder even said that the room felt like a beautiful warm hug. I know, I know, my heart. It was so adorable. So I'm so proud of what we were able to accomplish. And you might be wondering, Ashley, why would you buy more food and snacks when you already told us there are food trucks outside and there will be a big dinner? Um, well, I mean, if if you've had the pleasure to spend time with any elder, you know that it might be hard for them to get around. And while it's not blizzard weather on my res, our wind chill and wind in the desert is no joke. So it's not fun to be outside for the most part. I mean, kids and adults, like we can deal with it. But if you're older and you have like arthritis or, you know, mobility issues, it's not fun. So it's up to us to think about how we can make it easier. And honestly, those small things really matter. Having food that they would enjoy, small sandwich trays, fruits and veggies, sugar-free desserts, some sugar desserts, you know, little waters, little juices. I mean, it's Christmas, right? And making it available to them so that they felt like they had their own space really was important. Um, knowing that they can just come into our room if they wanted a break. Maybe they were outside with their grandkids, but maybe, you know, they didn't want to be near the Ferris wheel or wherever and they just needed a break. I mean, sometimes we do. And knowing that a place where they could come and get hot coffee without having to wait in line, you know, those things are important, especially to an elder population where they feel like it, it kind of creates a safety in that, yeah, I'll go, but I won't be in the way. I actually will 
will be wanted. And if I need to take a break, even if I want to go and see what's going on, if I need to take a break, there's a space for me to, to do that without feeling like I can't be a part of it. And trust me, it will do wonders for their self-esteem. Creating space where people feel seen and heard will have your people walking a little taller. It'll have your elders more open to wanting to share, to wanting to joke, to wanting to build new relationships. Um, It will have them feel like they are meant to be there and not just to see how far we've come as a community, but to know that they can be a part of it too. They don't just have to be home, that they can be a part of all of the things too. And sometimes, you know, when you get that age and at least it's been my experience Um, as I've been fortunate enough to care for an aging grandmother, you know, they don't want to be in the way. So when you go over and beyond to show them that they're not in the way, it creates, you know, it just minimizes those insecurities and helps them feel more welcome. The day of the gingerbread games was an early one. So I ended up buying breakfast burritos for my team because we were there fairly early and we were going to be there all throughout the day until likely 8 or 9 p.m. that night. So our day started about 7 um, just to make sure we got everything together and then we were going to have a full day all the way through the night. And we went to the event location and began, you know, setting up the finishing touches. We had decorated the day before and now we were putting everything together, laying out the food, arranging the prizes, and setting up the games. One of the games I tailored from YouTube was this Grinch game. So the YouTube versions had used solo cups to set up a Christmas tree. They put prizes inside the cups and then they glued green tissue paper on the opening of the cup and placed a little red heart in the middle and it kind of looked like a little Grinch Christmas tree which I thought was completely cute and the players would punch through a cup to get a prize Um, but because we were preparing for so many people our space had a lot of tables I didn't know how well it would work out if we started to ask elders to walk up like it's the price is right I mean like would they fall down I don't know so I ended up pulling out a large rolling whiteboard and taped a Grinch to it and then we put the party gifts in the cups and taped those right to the board instead And instead of coming up, I figured when we were playing, we would just ask them which cup and pull it off for them. I don't know about you, but I love to laugh and I noticed our elders like to as well. So when my team was out buying prizes, I told them to head to the pharmacy section. Yeah, that's right, the pharmacy section. And in some of the cups, we put like Ben Gay and Band-Aids and Vicks Vapor Rub and Chapstick and Batteries, Travel Tissues. Um, I don't know, my team really had fun with it. And then in other cups, we put $25 gift cards to Smith's Grocery Store um, because the grocery store prices right now are higher than their sugars for real I don't know what's going on with groceries but I mean it's it's been it's been really hard out there it's been really hard in these grocery streets um and then once the elders arrive we put their names in a raffle cup for their chance to pick a cup um and we started playing the game 
when we started playing the game, I cued the Grinch song on the loudspeaker and one of my team members rolled the board out. We told the elders that the Grinch heard they were having a party and wanted to honor them with prizes too, but I reminded them that, hey, it is the Grinch, so he was probably up to some shenanigans. I did tell them there was $100 across the board, and that kept them enthused and really helped them want to play the game with us. Um, and when I tell you the roaring laughter after one of our elders was called and given Vic's vapor rub, man, it made the whole week worth it. It really set the tone for the next few hours that we would spend together. We ended up with a packed room. People were calling their families to get their elders there, and when they arrived, we welcomed them. I taught my younger team members how to serve elders, and that's really a skill that must be cultivated. I taught them how to ask them if they were hungry and give them a plate anyway, even if they said no, to tell them we had to-go boxes and bags if they needed it for later so that they didn't have to worry about wasting anything, to introduce who they were and who their families were. And at the end of the day, the two younger team members, both in their early 20s, said they never knew elders were so much fun. They each had form connections throughout the day and noticed how a little kindness turns into respect. And one thing's for sure and two things for certain, exposing young people and helping them learn these cultural norms is how you grow leaders within your community. They exist, you just have to foster them. And they'll take this experience and have more confidence with teaching their own little cousins or nephews and nieces. They'll feel more open to interacting with elders. And you might be like, Ashley, that's a little too far, but I've done it for so many years that I know it's true. It's why most of the young people I've mentored in my community continue to volunteer to this day when they don't have to. Why they show up to our events and if they see um, folks need help, they help out without even even being asked to because when you create those cultural norms then you create leaders and you create the confidence for them to really own that in their community it's why I see them saying hi and introducing their families to elders that they've met at one of our events where they've volunteered. I've had them engage with them even without me telling them that they have to, even without me asking if they've said hi. I've witnessed it. It's those little nudges that make the biggest difference. Creating space doesn't, it, it, it isn't just one-sided. It requires a willingness from one person to make room for another and through that action and agreement forms that creates a bridge for each other. Um, all right, Nation Builders, I never like to leave an episode without sharing a few tips, so here we go. A few things I've picked up this last 15 years. I've had the honor to spend time with my elders and build elder programs that help to um, foster and grow our elder population. Number one, I remind myself it's an honor to be able to have conversations with people who have made it to this age. As a young person, sometimes we get in our own mind and <clears throat> we tend to devalue one of the kind of sanctities of of 
of being a tribe and why I started tribal reclamation to begin with. And that is to remember that you are no bigger than someone else. And so you teach other people how to communicate with you by showing respect to others. And this helps remind ourselves when we speak to others and everyone else that, um, that Native Americans live in the present tense. So if we want a community that respects their elders, then we have to remind ourselves that it's an honor to be able to serve them. And that's the standard that I create for my team, my staff, those that I mentor. And it's a choice, right? You don't have to do these things. I'm not forcing you to do it. But if you want to hang out with me and hang out with my friends and you want to be part of our things, then you're going to respect your elders and you're going to do it because it's an honor to do to do so and not out of spite because I can tell the difference. So I remind myself that it's an honor um, because trust, it is going to be challenging. Folks have been through a lot on our reservations. So we have to be committed to reminding ourselves how this is an honor, why we do it, and how we want to be seen in our community and how we want our community to be seen and heard too. Um, <clears throat> that brings me to number two. Everyone wants to feel inclusive and welcomed. Um, when I think about inclusivity and, you know, showing up to a space, thinking about those little things about mobility and how people will interact, taking a few minutes to jot down what that means for folks is going to be the difference between helping people feel like they can be a part of something and helping people, or at least um, helping people to see that they're not going to be a burden to it. So that goes the same for people who are adults and elders. You know, no one wants to show up to a place and not feel like, you know, and feel like they're a burden. So it's really important for us to think about how we're including folks and how we're welcoming folks because that really is a tribal value and it's something that we tend not to spend as much time in. I'll give you an example, right? Say you're stressed out and you have an event and someone asks, hey, do you guys have water? Um, it's an easy reaction. Ah, what? Yeah, it's over there. Go get it. Ask someone to get it for you, right? That's not how it goes. It's easy for those types of reactions to happen. And by me just giving that example, I'm sure you can pull up in your memory how you've had that type of interaction. And you're like, man, I don't, I don't need to be here. I'm going. This is lame. This is this. So I remind our, our, our my staff that it's an honor, but that it's a service and that it's our job to make people feel included and welcomed. And then number three, I enjoy the memories and I remind them of the stories. I remind the elders of the stories that we make when I see them around the community. Um, keep in mind that elders in this age group, the people that they know may have walked on. It can be really isolating at that age. The inside jokes, the memories, the stories that they had with those people, those are gone too. And there aren't many people who remember, you know, their friends or their family or, you know, 
the way that they remember them. So one way to honor our elders is to show them that they can have new jokes, new memories, and new stories. And when I started doing this, it really helped to blossom their engagement and interaction with with me at different events. And I started to teach my team and um, young people that I was mentoring that those are cool things too. And so now they have a new set of memories so that they can hold on to the older memories, but they have new stories with people who they know because you've introduced them um, to you and who your family was. And I think it's really cool because when you start having those interactions, I've had two occasions where young people who didn't have the opportunity to meet their grandparent or their uncle or their aunt or their mom or their dad, find an elder through volunteering with one of my programs and have that elder share something about their family and have that elder remember a joke and tell them about their family. And just like we're able to create confidence in our elders to help them feel included and welcomed, it is such an important and valuable thing. It is so crazy when you see that type of validation to, to, to a young person, um, to show them that, no, they are from here, that, you know, this is their home and that they have family, especially if those folks have walked on early to have that being shared, the type of validation that lights them up and have, has them walking taller is, you know, it's priceless. So um, I, I say those three things just to remind you that these are ways that I help to engage and interact in my own community. And I share those things because hopefully it'll help you think about how you can start to introduce those types of behaviors into yours, especially if you're interested in impacting um, in this type of way. I mean, let's face it, poverty, intergenerational trauma, separation, war, loss, a lot of our elders are veterans, um, shame, uh, I don't know, tribal elections, land desecration. These are all real challenges that our elders have lived through and that we are still combating. So if an elder looks a little rough around the edges, it's because while it's always a good day to be Indian, life be lifing, y'all. Um, what's that old saying? Creator gives the hardest pass to the strongest warriors. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm trying to rebuild my nation so we can have a smoother ride. Uh, well, relatives, that's all I got for you in this episode. If you enjoy these episodes, please consider taking a screenshot and posting it to your IG stories. Don't forget to tag me when I see your IG shoutouts. It's It brings me all the rest girl joy. So until next time, handle it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Res Kid Turn Professional. Loving our vibe and want to help our community grow? Please consider taking a screenshot and sharing this episode to your Instagram stories. Until next time, Tribal Nation Builders, handle it.